Let's take a moment to pray. Gracious God, we thank you for the reading of your word. Uh, we thank you that uh, you promise that your word is to us bread for life, that you want to feed us um, when we read and study your word together and nourish us, uh, our thoughts, our lives, um, what it means to follow you uh, through the coming week and years. So help us now to do that as we look at this passage together. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, it is really good to be here again at um, All Souls. Um, I always look forward to uh, being uh, with you and among you. As some of you know, I began my uh, adventure as a bishop um, in, uh, well, my adventure as a bishop, let alone in West London. I'd never been bishop anywhere else. Um, But my very first Sunday was here at All Souls. Um, Not here, actually. I was out with the children. Um, and uh, because that's where I wanted to begin my journey as a bishop, because actually I think what's going on out there is as significant as what's happening in here, but that message doesn't always come across in many churches. I know that it does here, and that's just wonderful. Um, So uh, that's where my journey began just over five years ago. It's lovely to be with you. We live locally uh, in Twickenham, and uh, I'm married to Sarah. We have three boys, and uh, we're foster carers to uh, an 11-year-old girl as well. And I have spent the last two days, yesterday I came back from uh, our very first Kensington area youth weekend away, Um, and we had taken 60 young people, 11 to 14, anyone who's got an 11 to 14 year old, now you're kind of going, whoa, there's big respect there. Uh, 60 of these came away to a place in Bracknell, and uh, this was young people who, who are part of churches that only have maybe two or three young people, and so they don't have enough young people to have a sort of a group um, and maybe sometimes they go to a group in another church, or maybe there isn't anything regularly for them in their, their church. So we said, well, well, we'll run a weekend uh, for, for young people from uh, those kind of churches. So actually, it was amazing. We filled up really fast. I think we could have filled it twice over in the end, but we took them away. Um, they've had a fantastic time, and I haven't got much voice left as a result. So that's why I'm a little gruff this afternoon. Um, and, uh, but the weather was, uh, has been particularly good this weekend, so that's been a, a blessing as well. Uh, the verse, there's one verse from the Gospel reading that I want to, uh, us to reflect on for a few moments this afternoon. It's the last read, uh, verse that um, was read, uh, John's Gospel, chapter 10 um, and verse 10. Really familiar verse uh, for some, perhaps, um, this afternoon. But I think it is one of the most electrifying verses anywhere in the New Testament. Because Jesus says this, Jesus says, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full, or as another translation puts it, to have it abundantly. And certainly I was reflecting on this verse a little bit over the last week and particularly coming up to this weekend, the youth weekend, and reflecting on my own journey of faith and, and, and being a Christian, as some of you were perhaps like me during your teenage years. And, and I know one of the great fears for me as a teenager, uh, there were occasional questions of doubts about faith that would pop up, but they never really particularly became an issue. Um, but the one fear that I do remember is, it, as a teenager was wondering if the decision to follow Jesus might mean that all the best things about life, the fun and the adventure of life, might somehow be reduced or diminished by the decision to follow Jesus. That it would be like opening, as it were, the chocolate box of life, only to find that all the most exciting and delicious chocolates have already been eaten 
just leaving the boring ones behind that nobody much cares for. I kind of genuinely thought that might possibly be what it was about. That it would be a good life, a safe life, but somehow the really exciting, the most riveting things about life would be taken away. And there's no question that for young people that sometimes can be an anxiety, a concern. It can be a a view that's sometimes projected upon Christian young people from friends around and about them um, when they hear that they have a Christian faith. Um, But Jesus said this. Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly, have it completely. And so I found myself in my teenage years learning to take Jesus at his word when it comes to this promise. That if someone places their trust and their hope in him, life will be abundantly full. It won't necessarily be easy or straightforward, but it will be full. Much more like a a box of chocolate that's crammed to overflowing uh, with all the tastiest chocolates. Uh, Much more like that. And certainly for those being um, confirmed here today, making a sort of public affirmation of their faith, I know from the little bit they told me before the service that I think that's been their experience in different ways. Um, Discovering the reality of faith in Christ for some quite some time ago, for others more recently. And finding that God has not taken things away. God has added things into life, a community to be a part of, a sense of belonging, a church family. A new purpose, new meaning, new adventure. And uh, I think God wants to go on adding abundant life to each one of you being confirmed today. And that's why I'm going to pray, above all, that the Spirit of God will come upon you afresh. Because that's the prayer at the heart of a confirmation. Now that doesn't mean that uh, those who have been confirmed today haven't received the Spirit of God before. Of course they have. The Spirit of God has been at work opening their eyes to the wonder, the reality of God's love in Jesus Christ. Um, But the Bible encourages us to go on praying to receive the Spirit afresh, the abundance of God's love and his life. And so I'm at the heart of this, I'm going to pray that prayer for each of you, that God will fill you afresh, that God will equip you, that God will enable you to know more of his abundance the abundance of his love, his power, his joy, but also the abundance of his purpose and plan for you. And uh, I think there are two parts to God's purpose and plan uh, that are are very clear in the gospel, and certainly in this reading from uh, John 10. First of all, the, the life that God, this abundant life that God gives to each of you being confirmed and to all of us here who seek Christ It is given in order to set us free, not to hold us back. To set us free, not to hold us back. God designed each of you for a purpose. Um, And he wants you to be fully alive, fully alive, and completely free to serve him, to live for him, to be the person that he made you to be. Um, Eric Little is one of my um, heroes um, in, when it comes to Christians in the sporting world. Some of you will know he was a sprinter who uh, famously competed in the Paris Olympics back in uh, 1924 uh, before he went on to uh, become a missionary in uh, China. 
And uh, his nickname as an athlete was uh, the Flying Scotsman. Um, and uh, that had something to do with his speed and uh, his uh, 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 country of origin. Um, he also had a remarkable, those of you who ever seen sort of little films of him running, he had a remarkably ungainly way of running. His arms would flay sort of all over the place. It looked kind of ridiculous, and you'd never be able to get up much speed like that, but he did. Um, and on one occasion, uh, when he was um, asked why as a Christian he, he could give so much time to his sport, whether or not that was really a sensible thing when there were so many people who needed to hear about God's love and, and, and they knew about his commitment to Christ. But So why spend so much time in, on his sport? And he said this. He said, God has made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. And I love that. When I run, I feel his pleasure. He believed that he could bring glory to God by using his gifts to the fullest extent. Um, But then, uh, soon after winning uh, the Olympic gold, um, uh, which he won in the 400 meters in the end, as you'll perhaps know from his story, setting a new world record that lasted for several years, um, Little also felt free, not only to, to run with all his energy and purpose, but he also felt free, free enough to set that aside. And again, people surprised and amazed. A sports person at the top of their career, their performance, uh, to set that aside and to go and serve Christ uh, in a very challenging and impoverished part of uh, China. And the story of Eric Little's life ended in uh, 1945 um, as a prisoner of war. But even there, in that prisoner of war camp, he demonstrated a remarkable freedom to be himself and to forgive his oppressors in a way that made a very deep impression on the people around him, and especially on quite a number of the young, younger prisoners in that prisoner of war camp. And one of his fellow prisoners um, remembered the remarkable way that he cared for people. Um, this is one of the things he wrote. He said, Often in an evening I would see Eric bent over a chessboard or a model boat or directing some sort of square dance. Uh, I think that's what they did in those days. Um, uh, absorbed, weary, and I, it's, square dancing is not a bad thing, by the way, in case anyone's a square dancer. It kind of sounded like I was mocking square dancing, um, which I'm not. I'm sure it's a good thing. Um, absorbed, weary, and interested, pouring all of himself into this effort to capture the imagination of these penned-up youths. He was overflowing with good humor and love for life, with enthusiasm and charm. It is rare indeed that a person has the good fortune to meet a saint, but he came as close to it as anyone I've ever known. And uh, Eric um, Little died in that um, prison camp just um, a few months before liberation, and he wrote a letter to his wife on the, um, on the day that um, he died. Um, and he described in that letter how he thought that he probably had a nervous breakdown, um, just the sheer exhaustion of all that he tried to do in that camp had just become too much. Now, as it became apparent after his death, he was also suffering from an inoperable um, brain tumor. Um, and he went home uh, to be with Christ um, at the relatively young age of 43. Um, but no one, no one who had encountered him as an athlete as a missionary, as a prisoner in that war camp, 
would fail to have been inspired by how he lived God's life in all its abundance. He had lived a full life, a full life, because he had been free. He'd understood that the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ liberates people. It sets them free um, to live in relationship to God uh, and to bring him glory in the world through the things that God has given them to do and to be. Um, and, and I think this is so important. When we think about those being confirmed today, I don't know what God's got planned for each one of you uh, uh, in the future. Um, what, what, well, I know Charlotte's getting married in, um, in the future, very soon, in a few months, and I know one or two of you told me about some of your other plans as well, so there are some really good things that are coming up. But who knows what the future holds, what good times, what difficult times there may be. Um, but the one thing that the Spirit of God that has been poured out on you and will continue to be poured out on you is, is a Spirit that sets you free so that you might know the full abundance of God's life. That life will never be like opening a chocolate box and finding that all the best things have been taken out. Uh, but discovering that God is putting more and more into the adventure of life. But there's a second thing as well, though. I think that, and these two things go together in the gospel. And the second thing about the, the, the abundant life that the Spirit gives is that it is given to make you dangerous, not to keep you safe. It's given to make you dangerous, not to keep you safe. We are not called uh, to a life that is safe as Christians. Um, there is nothing safe about following Jesus. Uh, I'm sorry if anyone was under any illusion uh, on that one. Um, and you've heard that for the first time. I'm sure you haven't, but it isn't safe. Jesus never said, come and follow me and you will have a safe life. In fact, quite the opposite. And the reason for that is that Jesus himself, the good shepherd, is not safe. I, I love that moment um, in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe when the children first learn about Aslan. Do you remember that uh, moment they hear about Aslan, and they discover that he's a lion, and Susan asks, well, I, I thought he was a man. Is he quite safe? And uh, um, she says, I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. And, and Mr. Beaver replies, safe? Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he is good. He's the king, I tell you. So the savior that you have committed yourself to following is not safe, but he is good. He is good. He is very good. Um, and the abundant life that he pours out on you will lead you at times into some dangerous places, um, into some uh, maybe po uh, pulse racing adventures following him. Who knows what that might involve? Um, when John recorded Jesus, when John wrote this uh, and recorded that what Jesus had taught in his gospel, and, and he wrote these words, I've come that you may have life in all its abundance. I imagine maybe, I don't know, maybe John chuckled to himself when he kind of wrote this, um, probably 20, 30 years after the ministry of Jesus, maybe um, uh, towards the end of his own life. Because after all, none of the disciples, none of those who had chosen that uh, in those first days to follow Jesus, including John, could possibly have imagined just how abundantly full the rest of their life would become. Um, their experience could be summed up by uh, 
um, a Christian writer called Greg Levoy who put it like this. He said, Jesus promised those who would follow him only three things. They would be absurdly happy, entirely fearless, and always in trouble. Um, and I asked, great. Um, and John would have gone, yeah, that's been my story. Um, it's been a lot like that. God has set you free to live a dangerous life, helping to change the world through his subversive love. And uh, what's even more wonderful is um, that you are commissioned in this confirmation as well to participate um, in uh, inviting others into that abundant life, um, to assure others that God wants to set all people free, to draw others into the adventure of his never-ending kingdom. And uh, this, this abundant life begins for, for anyone and everyone when they receive the gift of forgiveness and friendship with God through the death of Christ. Um, uh, that's how someone enters into this, this relationship, this friendship with God, how they begin to uh, discover the, the gift of forgiveness and, and this abundant life. And, and each of you is entrusted with that message, you get to invite people. There's an extraordinary invitation into this life to receive this forgiveness through the cross of Christ um, so that the, the promise of John 10, verse 10, can become the reality in the lives of others, uh, those you know, in your family, in the community around you, wherever God takes you. I don't know whether you um, picked up this story in the news a few um, uh, years ago now, it was fairly early on in, in, the, um, in the first term of office of uh, Obama, um, and uh, there was a story that was told about a 10-year-old girl called Kennedy Corpus, who ended up missing school for a day because she wanted to go with her dad to hear the president speak, because he'd come to speak in an auditorium close to her hometown. And uh, she took the day off school, um, and she went along to hear the, the president speak, and her father got up and asked a question uh, in the question time afterwards of the president. And, uh, and he confessed, uh, when asking this question, he confessed that actually he had, his daughter was with him that day, and he'd failed to submit an absence note for her. Um, and uh, the president, without a hesitation, as he was answering the man's question, he got out a little slip of paper from his pocket and started, it was obviously scribbling something on that, that note of paper. And just as he came to the end of answering the man's political question, he gave, uh, went out into the audience and gave the little piece of paper to the, the 10-year-old girl and said, you might need this. And of course, afterwards, the press were kind of gathered around, were kind of wondering what, what was on that piece of paper. And, uh, and these were the words that he'd written in his own handwriting. He wrote... Uh, to Kennedy's teacher, please excuse Kennedy's absence. She's with me, Barack Obama, President of the United States of America. Now that is some absence note, isn't it? You can't imagine going into school the next day. Where were you? Well, I was hearing the president. Did you have permission? You see a teacher reading that. She didn't, that Kennedy didn't need to fear her teacher. She didn't need to fear her head teacher. She didn't need to fear anyone anywhere in the world because the president had spoken his powerful word. She could consider herself well and truly excused. Um, and I don't know about you, there are times where I think it would be wonderful to 
speak a word, to write a word that would change things for another person. Uh, maybe someone who's going through a hard time. Uh, maybe somebody's desperate to get a job um, or to resolve a, an issue in a relationship or longing for healing, um, dealing with some dark shadow over life. And you think, well, if only I could write a few words or say something. And sometimes you just think, there's nothing I can do, nothing I can say that uh, would seem to be able to make a difference. Um, we long to have that kind of influence or impact. Well, the, the wonderful truth is that for those who receive the Spirit of God, those who are called into the adventure of following Christ, we are entrusted with a word, um, a word that carries all authority, a word entrusted to us by the Good Shepherd himself, by Jesus, our Savior. And this word is more powerful than the words of any prime minister or president or general, uh, these are the words of eternal life. The offer, the invitation to enter into a relationship with God, to receive God's forgiveness, and to begin again with him. And those of you being confirmed, you have been entrusted with this powerful word. Um, and it's a word that really can make a difference. Um, and uh, not just to people who are going through a hard time, uh, but it is a message that can make a difference uh, to people for all eternity. Um, Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and have it in all its fullness. So my prayer, as you come forward in a few moments, each of you, and, and just kneel simply and quietly, uh, you're not kneeling before me. Um, you're kneeling before God. Um, the God who loves you and has called you, has given his life to you. And uh, my prayer is that you'll be so filled with that abundant life that you'll find yourself swept ever more fully into God's plan and purposes for your future. Um, that you'll know the freedom, the extraordinary freedom of being a child of God. Um, but you'll also know the extraordinary adventure, even the danger, the remarkable thrill of following him uh, into places uh, and into contexts and settings which uh, um, right now would seem beyond us. Um, and uh, I pray that you will also know that you've been entrusted with a powerful message, a word, uh, the word of life itself from God that you can bring to others through the way that you live, through the things that you say, through all that you bring day by day. Um, you may not feel that you're uh, fast in the way that Eric Little was, but I pray that you'll find that uh, way in which you can so live your life that you feel and know God's pleasure, his delight in you. So may God bless you and those you love. Amen. Amen.